This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth, according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. Grateful for the invitation to come up and be with you and thankful for the prayers. And we pray that our time together today will be encouraging. I'm already encouraged just uh, being here among you and... Uh, and, and, and watching you and I've been observing a lot of things and we'll go through some of those things here in just a little bit but uh, so thankful for the privilege to be here and I hope that what we have to study this morning will be interesting to you we want to study the subject of wokeness and our entire our lesson this morning is what is woke um, I'm assuming most of you have heard this if you follow current events you you're aware of, of the phrase being woke People going woke, corporations going woke. I gave this lesson one place and the guy came up to me and said, I've never heard of this before. So, but I'm going to assume that you've heard of it. And if you haven't heard of it, then this will inform you so that whenever, uh, whenever you do hear that. Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a very pervasive movement, ideology in, uh, in our society as there are groups among us that are, that are seeking uh, social change and uh, not just social change but, but change of, uh, of our country. And this isn't a, a Christian nationalist lesson. It's not about that. This is about uh, understanding the world that we live in and how we as Christians need to respond to it. And in order to know how to respond to it, we need to know exactly what it is that we're dealing with. And so we're going to look at some things this morning that hopefully whenever we leave, you'll understand what it means to be woke. You'll understand some of the truths behind the, under, the idea that maybe you don't hear a whole lot about and uh, help you and help me to, de to develop a, a good Christian response to the things that we see in our woke world. If you see it, some of the pictures up here, maybe some of these pictures maybe strike a chord with you. If you're in a, in a corporation or a business, you may have gone through DEI training, diversity, equity, inclusion. You hear some people who are being fired because of their faith, expressing their faith in the workplace. You hear, uh, this is Colin Kaepernick. He's the guy that knelt during the national anthem that started all of that upheaval in the sports world. And then we see here different corporations that have gone woke. And so those are just some, some, some symbols that you, that you might be acquainted with. But we're going to try to figure out just exactly what all this means and what's the end game. You know, whenever you think of woke, sometimes you may think, well, the world's going mad. Men wanting to be women, women wanting to be men, men with men, women with women, uh, drag queens dancing in front of our children at school. It just, it's just, it just seems like craziness. It just seems like madness. But what we need to understand is there's a method to that madness. Everything that you see, it's not just the world going crazy. But rather, there is an agenda, there is an end. And the end that is trying to be achieved is the same end that Satan has always tried to achieve since the very first day in the garden where wokeness began. And that is to get rid of God, to exalt the human being so that man is his own God. First thing we want to notice is that as Christians we are to be woke. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5 verses 8 to 16, He says, You were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. 
For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it's shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. So as Christians, we are to walk as children of light. To walk as children of light means to be enlightened through the light that we receive from Christ Jesus as we live in this dark world, to be able to see things that are unfruitful works of darkness and expose them and make the light of truth, the light of gospel known to the world. In verse 13, But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake you who sleep. And so our translation for that verse this morning is, Christian, be woke. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly. To be circumspect means to be aware of what's going on around you. If you look at the first part of the word circum, circumference of a circle means all the way around. And to be circumspect means that you're constantly looking around and being aware of what's going on around you so that you'll know how to walk in the midst of everything that you see and not as fools but as wise redeeming the time because the days are evil. So Paul is saying, Christian, because the days are evil, you need to be woke and you need to be enlightened by the light of Jesus Christ to see the things that you need to see in order that you can walk not as fools but as wise. So that's the Christian explanation of woke. That is the woke that you and I are to be concerned with. But what is this woke of the world? Well, let's just look at some definitions of what it means to be woke. Webster defines it as aware of and actively attentive to important societal facts and issues, especially issues of racial and social justice. Aware, especially of social problems such as racism and inequality, and aware of social and political issues, especially racism. Now whenever we look at these three authorities, and there's a lot of other authorities out there that define what woke is, but we'll look at these in order to get a general sense. The first thing we want to notice is that woke means to be aware. And again, as Christians, we're to be aware. We're to be aware of what's going on in the world. And woke in the world means to be aware, to have a heightened awareness of what you see going on around you. But notice specifically the wokeness of the world. What's it focused on? Is the world focused on God and good and evil? Or is this wokeness something else? Well, whenever we look at this, it is to be woke, especially issues of racial and social justice. Woke to... Racism and inequality. Woke to social and political issues, especially racism. And so this wokeness is to be aware of all of the injustices that we see around us in our society. And that sounds like a good thing. As Christians, we need to be aware of that. Now in each one of these definitions, you see a, you see a special reference to racial or racism. And that's because the term woke was born out of the, the, 60, the in the 1960s and the 1970s, the black power movement where they were telling other blacks to be woke to the injustices that were happening to them. Another word for it was to, be, to have your consciousness raised. And that's a very genuine concern. Because during that time and, you know, and throughout, we know our, our, our checkered history in reference to this. And so whenever you look at this, all of this sounds like a good thing. 
And if it was guided biblically, it would be a good thing. But it's not guided biblically. Here's another from the diversity. And, and kind of pay attention to the references that we use down here. I'm not using references from far right extreme groups. Talking, I'm trying to find people that are in the middle and maybe even leaning to the other side that's in favor of what, what we're looking at here. The usual woke definition is that of a person who exhibits attitudes and behavior keenly sensitive to political and social injustice. The defining behavior of those belonging to woke culture is that they are active participants in the fight against injustice. And you know, we look at that and we think, well, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And in fact, when all of this started, a lot of times Christians were conflicted because they see that this is a fight against injustice. And after all, isn't God against injustice? In fact, we can go through the Bible and we can point out many verses that talk about God and His desire for justice. In Deuteronomy 32 and verse number 4, one of my favorite verses explaining the nature and character of God. He is the rock, His work is perfect, for all His ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is He. So if there is any movement going on in the world against injustice, it seems like God's people should all be on board with that. Because God is a just God and He is without injustice. Job uh, 36 verses 5 and 6, Elihu says, Behold, God is mighty, but despises no one. He is mighty in strength of understanding. He does not preserve the life of the wicked, but gives justice to the oppressed. And that is exactly what this movement is all about, is to give justice to oppressed people. Isn't that a good thing? Isn't that something that God's people should be on board with? Psalm 82 verses 3 and 4 defend the poor and the fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and needy, deliver the poor and needy, free them from the hand of the wicked. Isn't that what we see the woke movement being all about is to try to find is taking people who are afflicted, they're needy, they're oppressed and we want to do justice by them. And we recognize the oppression that they've lived in for generation after generation after generation. And we want a cultural transformation where no one is oppressed any longer. Who couldn't be for that? In Proverbs 21 verse 3, To do just righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. So we see the importance of justice in the eyes of God and as the Bible teaches it. But one of the things that I want us to walk out of here today, and I'll have all my major points highlighted, is this. Social justice is not biblical justice. Social justice is not biblical justice. And so whenever we see all of these activists and all of these political leaders and even some preachers in progressive churches lauding the virtues of social justice, we as an enlightened people, according to the truth of God's Word, must understand that social justice is not biblical justice. In fact, we're going to see that social justice is adversarial to biblical justice. Even though the words are the same, the concepts couldn't be further apart. This is the justice God is for. 
God hates this justice because this justice is no justice. Please understand. <coughs> well, what is social justice? Well, let's go back to our dictionaries again. Social justice is a state or doctrine of egalitarianism, which is just a long word that means that all people are equal and they deserve equal rights and opportunities. Again, that sounds good, doesn't it? The idea that all people should have the same rights and opportunities and that a country's wealth and resources should benefit everyone in that country and it's the fair distribution of wealth and opportunities within a society. And again, whenever we read those definitions, those all sound great, don't they? Don't we all want to have equal rights? Wouldn't it be great if, if everyone in the country benefited from the great wealth and resources that our country has? Wouldn't it be great if there was fairness in our culture and all wealth and opportunities were distributed in a fair way among all the people? Again, when you look at these definitions, just like with uh, woke, they all sound good and virtuous. And in an attempt to be good and virtuous, people will jump on board with these things without understanding what they're really all about. <clears throat> Another... Definition of the San Diego Foundation, again, that is a progressive left-leaning group. While formal definitions of social justice vary in wording, there are commonalities among them. Equal rights, equal opportunity, equal treatment. With these core values in mind, we can define the phrases as such. Social justice means equal rights and equitable opportunities for all. And again... All of that sounds good, and any good-hearted, virtuous person would be on board with that. But here's one of the things that we want to notice. This can never happen. It can never happen. While we may have equal rights, we do not have equal opportunity to exercise those rights. In a community of people, personal rights come into conflict continually. Some rights have to be suppressed to the exercise of others, and who decides? And that's the big question. What is the standard for social justice? Who's going to define what's just? Anytime someone talks about justice, they talk about fairness, the first question that we as Christians should ask is, What's your standard for justice and fairness? And I'll tell you right now that those who advocate for social justice are not going to say God in the Bible. It's going to be a different standard. And so again, while justice sounds good, equality sounds good, fairness sounds good, if the standard defining all of those things is not righteous and biblical and holy, then it's going to be of men. And what do we know that about things that are of men? They tend to evil and they tend to that which is corrupt. Well, what is the standard for social justice? And we'll get to some more Bible verses here in just a moment but I want to kind of lay this groundwork. What's the standard for social justice? How many of you have heard of the term critical theory? 
You hear it a lot, critical race theory. It's a big deal in, in schools today. But there's all different kinds of di critical theories. There's not just a critical race theory. There's different types of critical theories. As they relate to certain oppressed groups uh, in the country, Whenever you hear critical theory, this is, what, this, is, is, this is the foundation for the social justice movement. The foundation for the social justice movement is not the Bible. The foundation for the social justice movement is critical theory. And critical theory is a theory, or a theory is critical to the extent that it seeks human emancipation from slavery, acts as a liberating influence and works to create a world which satisfies the needs and powers of human beings. Max Horkheimer. If you do any research on this, you'll see his name a lot. He was a German philosopher from the 1930s coming out of what is referred to as the School of Frankfurt. If you do any history into critical theory, that's where it's going to take you. And so that is the human origin of what critical theory is that guides the social movement. And notice what's important in the social movement. Where in that do you see anything about right and wrong? Where in that do you see anything about good and evil? You don't. All you see is emancipation from slavery, liberating influence that satisfies the needs and powers of human beings. The social justice movement under the direction of critical theory is not interested in what's right and wrong. It's interested in what frees human beings from any type of oppression for that human being to be whatever that human being wants to be and do. That's why if a man says, I want to be a woman, social justice says he should be allowed to do that. And if you tell him that he's wrong and he can't do that, then you're the bad guy. You're the oppressor. It's not a matter of good and evil. It's a matter of liberation and oppression. Critical theorists claim that the social science must integrate philosophy into their methods. Notice that statement. What's a philosophy? A philosophy is just an explanation of how a person thinks that the world ought to be. And so in critical theory, whenever they look at the world, they don't try to look at the world objectively and explain things as they are. They look at the world as they think the world ought to be. And in their science and in their philosophy, it's presented in such a way to achieve that end. And to critical theorists, they think that everyone should be free to do what everyone wants to do that makes them happy. So again, we keep going back to this example. If the man wants to be a woman, he should be allowed to do that. There should be nothing to oppress him. There should be no Bible verse that says he can do that. There should be nothing in nature that says that he can't do that. He should be allowed to do that. And anyone who seeks to try to keep him from doing that is an oppressor. And in social justice and in critical theory, oppressors are the evil ones. <clears throat> Integrate their philosophy into their methods to make its findings practical to advance the moral cause. Okay, what's the moral cause? 
What is the supreme morality? Now to you and me, the supreme morality is serving and worshiping God and observing God's good and evil. To the social justice, the supreme reality is freeing humans from circumstances such as domination and oppression. So again, if a man wants to dress up like a woman and parade himself in front of little school children, he should be allowed to do that. Because if you tell him he can't, that he can't express himself that way, then what you are doing is trying to dominate and oppress him, and you're the evil one. <clears throat> it's important to understand that in these two types of justice, social justice and biblical justice, the distinction is very clear. In social justice, liberation and oppression of the human being is what drives everything. That's the scope, that's the lens through which they look through what's right and wrong. Whereas biblical justice, it's good and evil to the glory of God. Notice here the two groups of people as they're, as they're distinguished here. Social justice, the human being reigns supreme. Biblical justice, God reigns supreme. Don't live under the illusion, well, maybe there's some way we can kind of conflate these two together. No. <laughs> you can't take something that is holy of the world and mix it with something that is completely holy and of God. When you mix anything of the world with anything of God, what do you get? Do you get something better? No. Actually, you get something that's impure something that is adulterated, and something that really God shouldn't even be a part of. <coughs> Here's kind of how the, the, the lens of wokeism works. <coughs> Groups are identified in a culture. There's the oppressed group one, oppressed group two, oppressed group three. And then you have the oppressor group. And this is how it works, how wokeism works. Wokeism says to the oppressed groups, let me make you aware of just how bad you have it. That's why it seems like nowadays everything is racist, right? <laughs> you know that. Everything is racist. Everything is sexist. Everything is homophobic. It's transphobic. It's misogynist. It's all of these different things. Everything. And what that is, is to try to tell the oppressed groups, guys, you've got to understand how bad things really are. Because, you know, and there's a lot of people, well, I didn't know it was that bad. I didn't know these people were doing all of these things to me. And Woke says to the oppressor group, let me make you aware of how bad you really are. You don't realize how bad you are. You don't realize your privilege. You don't realize how that everything is structured in your favor so that you can succeed and then all of these other groups down here, they're going to fail. And so what wokeism does is that it creates rage among these people. They become mad. Wouldn't you become mad if you became aware of how people were being unfair and unjust to you? No, you didn't know it before, but after somebody that's woke comes along and says, you need to realize this. Then you get mad and angry. 
And then the oppressor group, they're looking at themselves and they're saying, wow, I didn't know I was this bad. It produced guilt and shame. What do you have when you have rage among this group and you have guilt and shame for that group? You have a group of people that's ready to be manipulated and steered to a place that those in power want them to go. This is how you have a revolution. And a lot of times when you hear about wokeism and cultural or critical theory, you'll hear about a guy by the name of Karl Marx. You remember the, the, the revolution? That he, this is how it came about. He got all the people stirred up. You don't know how bad these people are being to you. And then told these people, you people are terrible people. Look at what you're doing to all of them. And it brought about a revolution. You know, now I'm not getting political here, but I will say this. We did have a president not long ago that promised us that he was going to fundamentally transform the nation. I'm not getting political. I'm just looking at fundamentally transform. Well, how do you fundamentally transform something? The first thing you've got to do is to get people to think everything is awful. We've got to burn this down and we've got to build back something different. Well, that's what wokeism is. That's what critical theory is. That's what all of this stuff about social justice is. It's just to get everybody... That, that Doesn't it seem like our nation is more chaotic today? That everybody is just angry? You know why everybody's so angry? It's because that's what this movement is trying to do, is to get everybody angry to get everybody thinking about themselves. So whenever you have a bunch of angry, selfish people, can anything good come out of that? No. But that's what wokeism does. It creates angry, selfish people, and it creates false guilt and shame in other people. And so then we do what is called virtue signaling. We do little things to try to make us feel better that really have no purpose whatsoever other than just to give us a false sense of virtue. <clears throat> Philip Carl Salzman, again, this isn't a Christian speaker. This is just a guy that's out there and he knows all about this and this is what he says. The cultural lubricant for the fight for social justice is virtuous hate directed against the oppression. Virtuous hate. Have you ever noticed in our culture that, that, that some groups can do one thing and it's awful and it's wrong and it's terrible, but another group do the same thing and everybody just looks over it? And we look at that and we well that's hypocrisy. Can't people see that? Yeah, they see it and they know exactly what they're doing. That if somebody that is oppressed does something harmful to an oppressor, that's understandable because after all, they were oppressed. But if an oppressor does something to someone who is oppressed, then that's terrible because that's the ultimate evil is to oppress someone. Real quickly, here are, here are the three groups. <coughs> now, there are different groups, but the groups, America, uh, not just America, but this is, you know, anywhere this happens, divided up into three groups based upon race. And in the racial group, whites are the oppressors. And again, just stating it like it is. We need to know how this thing works. There is gender, male or female. And in the gender group, 
males are the oppressor. And then there is the sexuality group. In that group, straight or heterosexual people are the oppressors. So if you are a white male heterosexual, you are at the top of the food chain. <laughs> you are the ultimate oppressor and there is nothing you can do that's good. And you can't even talk about this, so keep your mouth shut. And then everybody else, it kind of depends on where you fall in the pecking order. So you might be a straight male, but if you are a person of color, then you're an oppressed. You're oppressed. Or you might be a white person, but if you're a woman, you're oppressed. Uh, you might be a, uh, you know, a, a white male, but you're a male that wants to be a woman. You're oppressed. And that's how it works. And so everything that goes from here to here is evil. Everything that goes from here to here, these groups striking out and lashing out at the, at the white male straight man is okay. And again, please don't get me wrong, that I'm not racist, I'm not racist, I'm not, you know, this is just how it is. And we got to understand that's just the way that it is. Okay, I want to do a critical exercise. <clears throat> like I said, I was watching y'all this morning. You're not as bad a group here as we were back home. <laughs> critical theory would do this. If a woke critical theorist walked into the building this morning for church, this is what he would see, or her, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Man, the white male heterosexual dominance in this building is scary. It's intimidating. When I walked into the building, I noticed all of the men around the door out there. Now, there was one woman that was brave enough to stand in the doorway. <laughs> but as people walked into the building, the first people they saw were white, straight males. Y'all just want to make sure that people that come into this building know who's in charge, don't you? I mean, I mean, that's, that's, I mean you're, you're wanting to exert, as a white male heterosexual in this congregation, you're wanting to exert your dominance as soon as people walk through the door. And so that's why there was out there. Like I say, there was one woman brave enough to stand in the doorway, but most of the other women came into the building and they sat down. <laughs> I noticed this morning that uh, fixing communion, there was a lady that fixed communion in the kitchen. Well, that is a reinforcement of some white male heterosexual stereotypes of the way a woman ought to be. I noticed this morning that the only people that got up to do anything were white heterosexual males. There were no women involved. Y'all are terrible people. And women, don't you realize how bad things are for you here? There's something else that I notice whenever I see all of y'all sitting. Why is the man sitting outside by the aisle and the woman is sitting on the inside? So that if the woman has to leave, she has to get permission from her husband to exit and to come out. And it's laughable, isn't it? But looking through the world of a woke person... Someone who believes in critical theory, that's all they see is oppression and dominance 
in everything. In everything. Um, all the couples here seem to be heterosexual. So this is a very homophobic congregation. All of the people here seem to be identifying with their, their, their birthing sex, what they were whenever they were born. So this doesn't seem to be a very welcoming place to transsexuals. So you all are transphobic. I don't see uh, a demographic in the congregation that is reflective of the demographic of the area up here. So evidently you're intimidating to certain demographic groups in the, uh, in the community. And who wouldn't be when you have such a white male heterosexual dominance in this congregation? That's kind of what critical theory looks like. Where you're just looking for oppression and everything that you can to make the dominant people feel guilty and the oppressed people feel bad. And so, you know, a critical theorist would say, you need less women up here. You need to have an equal mixture of men and women in the vestibule. You need to make sure that whenever communion is being done, that the man does it maybe one week and a woman does it the next week. You need, to try to, you need to try to put forth an image that is inviting to the, the homosexual and transsexual community in this area. Man, y'all are just a terrible group of people. Do you not know that? Women, are y'all ready to rise up? Make the man sit on the inside. Let him stumble over you trying to get out. And again, you, you, you laugh at it and I laugh at it too. Because some things just seem so far out there that really about all you can do is laugh. But that's the reality of this movement. And everything in the movement is institutional or systemic. Again, whenever we know the stories of the policemen, whenever a white policeman shoots a, you know, a, a, a black assailant or whatever, it's, it's institutional racism. It's institutional. Everything is institutional and systemic. Have you ever noticed that? And then they'll take one story and then they'll blow it up to make it sound like it's the norm across the nation. And then it's institutional and systemic. Why is that? Because they want to represent the institutions and systems as being corrupt so that we can destroy the institutions and systems themselves in order to create a more just and create a more fair country. And again, social justice is not biblical justice. Let me give you an illustration of social justice. Here's a same-sex couple. They go to a baker who is a Christian and he has convictions against homosexuality and homosexual marriage. And, you know, you've heard of cases like this before and there's been different court cases and things like that. Critical theory, woke people will say, okay, who's the oppressed and who's the oppressor? Well, obviously this person is the oppressor because if he's got a good business and he's being successful, he's played by the rules of a corrupt dominant system, so he's the oppressor, and then this couple over here, they're the oppressed. So in social justice theory, this person right here must bake a cake for that group. And if he doesn't bake a great cake for that group, that couple, then this person is an evil person. That's how... Woke social justice would look at it. Now what would biblical justice say? What's good and what's evil? 
they would look at this man. This man has beliefs that are based upon the Bible. This couple is in a lifestyle that the Bible says is sinful. Therefore, the just thing to do would be to recognize the conviction of this baker and not expect him to bake a cake for that couple. You see how the two work? <clears throat> and nowadays, as we look at these groups, as we said before, they all started out uh, basically with, 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 with racism, but now it takes in many different groups. And the group that we're hearing more about today is the groups based on sexuality. Why is that? As humans, it's just throughout history, as humans have become more and more liberated from God, they become more deviant and more expressive of that deviancy in their sexuality. When you read Romans chapter 1 about the sins of the Gentiles, what one sin does Paul elaborate on the most out of all of those sins? Sexual sin. Men with men working that, which was... Not natural. Women with women working with that with not, 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 that's not natural. And that's because as we get further and further away from God and we seek to express ourselves in the freedom of our humanity without God, then it's going to be expressed in its most visible way in the exercise and practice of sexuality. So in closing, what do we need to understand about this? Well, first of all, God is concerned with justice. But God's concerned with more than just justice. In fact, when you look at the Bible and you see the word justice, if you look pretty hard around that, you're going to find something probably about righteousness. Deuteronomy 32.4, we read in the beginning, for all His ways are justice, but He's also a God of truth. All His ways are justice, but He is also righteous. God's concerned with right and wrong. It's not a matter of human liberation and human freedom with God. It's a matter of right and wrong and what glorifies Him. Proverbs 21 verse 3, we read, Justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. But what did we leave out? To do righteousness. And generally... Again, you'll see righteousness and justice combined in Scripture. Psalm 33, 5. He, speaking of God, loves righteousness and justice. So if I'm seeking a form of justice that compromises the righteousness of God, God is not pleased. Social justice doesn't compromise the righteousness of God. It has no concern for the righteousness of God. Because God doesn't even figure in. In fact, God's an oppressor. God is an oppressor. And we'll only acknowledge God whenever it helps us with our cause. But when our cause and God come in, in conflict to each other, then God has to go. Psalm 89, 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of His throne. Psalm 103, 6. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all of those who are oppressed. So notice what he says here. If you're concerned about the oppressed, and we should be concerned about the oppressed, we need to understand that whenever we look at the oppressed, that we seek justice, but we seek justice from God's righteousness and not from some German group of fellows over in the 1930s 
that had a view of how they thought the world ought to be. So let's draw this distinction and then we'll bring our lesson to a close. Social justice is devoid of God's righteousness. Don't let a righteous sounding word convince you that the movement is righteous. It's not. In social justice, in the woke world, man's greatest problem is oppression. It's not that you do wrong things and you make bad decisions and you just, you know, you, you, you wreck your life by doing things that aren't right. The deal is you're oppressed. That the woke movement is fueled by guilt, shame, hate, and rage. And its objective is freedom and self-governance for each human being. God's righteousness, biblical, righteous, biblical justice, is rooted in God's righteousness. Man's greatest problem is not oppression. It's that man sins and he's separated from God. If you want to get to the root of man's problems, it's not because man is oppressed. It's because man is separated from God. Whereas this is fueled by guilt, shame, rage, and hate, this is fueled by righteousness and love. And where this seeks self-governance for each human being, this seeks to live to and for God in a community of believers. And we said in the beginning that the woke movement is something that started in the very beginning. And this is where it started, right here. The serpent was more cunning than the beast of the field which the Lord God had made. She said to, or he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Was it just for Eve not to eat that fruit? Yeah. Because the standard of justice said don't eat it. She wasn't eating it. Eve was just. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. You see, Satan was woke. What he did was he pointed out, to some, pointed out something to Eve that Eve couldn't see on her own. Eve thought she had it good. She was living in paradise and she had every tree to eat except one. But the serpent comes along and says, Eve, you don't understand. You're oppressed. You're oppressed. God is not letting you be all you can be. Because He knows when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like Him knowing good and evil and you won't need God anymore and you can be liberated to live out your human experience to its fullest and your happiness. That's wokeism. So what did Eve do? Saw that the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, tree desirable to make one wise, took the fruit of it and ate. Notice how her perception of the world changed. Now if I had a piece of fruit right here and I told you if you eat this it'll kill you, you're probably going to look at it with disdain, you're going to keep your kids back and you're going to educate your kids, don't eat that fruit, don't go near that fruit, don't do, you know. <clears throat> but then if I show you, well this, this fruit is your key to happiness. Oh, we're all there, right? Same fruit. It's just our perception of it. And that's what Satan did with Eve. Satan caused Eve to be awake to what she thought was liberation and happiness 
without God. And that's the objective of the social justice movement today. Seeking liberation and happiness without God. And as Christians, we have no place in it. We need to speak with a Christian voice that doesn't exalt social justice, but exalts uh, biblical justice and the righteousness and the justice of God. So in conclusion, wokeness is a tool employed to create guilt, shame, hate, and rage to advance social justice. Social justice is not biblical justice. These forms of justice cannot be conflated. You hear of progressive churches today. A progressive church is a church that tries to conflate biblical justice with social justice. Social justice says... Man needs to be free and happy. The progressive church just simply puts God wants in front of it. God wants man to be free and happy, and it don't work. Critical theory is not an objective body of thought. It's a tool used to impose a human philosophy as to how society should work in regard to justice. And the ultimate end of social justice movement is to dismantle all present institutions and systems, including faith and family and replace them with a worldly authoritarian system to become the arbiter of justice in society. Every society has to have an authority. Every society has to have an authority. And the social justice movement does not want God to be the authority. They want the government to be the authority. And I'm not anti-government. God set the governments up. I think we should be in submission to our governments, but we also have to understand that our governments are inhabited by men. And they can become corrupt. And so that's why everything is appealed to the government. Because rather than letting God decide what's right and wrong, we want the government to decide what's right and wrong. And we've lived in a favorable environment in this country for some time where government and our morals have been basically consistent with each other. But we're entering into a time now where our values are not consistent. And as Christians, we have to gird up our minds with truth. We have to be ready to stand against the vile attacks and all of the labels and the incendiary comments that are made against Christians and not be intimidated to bow the knee to the God of social justice. There's so much more we could say about this. And you're probably sitting there thinking, well, you've said enough already. But we cannot get sucked into this. And let's know where we are in this world. Let's know where we are with this. And let's be a voice for God's righteousness and God's justice. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, we haven't talked about the first principles, but you desire to be a Christian through obedience to the gospel by being baptism, the congregation here is ready to help you. Or if you are here and have a spiritual matter to bring to the attention of the group, we'd ask you to come up as we stand and sing. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.